Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, on to the show. All right, friends. Today, we are going to dive into the Munda Bidi Trail in Western Australia. This beautiful, world-class off-road cycling experience uh, is, is a range in the southern forests that really runs through eucalyptus bushlands and has granite outcrops and unique wetlands. And we are so fortunate to have with us today Rhonda, who's going to walk us through everything about the Munda Bitty Trail, what we need to know, what your experience with the trail is, and how she has gotten involved in the trail. And Rhonda is actually a Canadian living in Western Australia. She has a, a science background, although her and her husband together actually created the app for the Munda Bitty Trail and work very closely with the Munda Bitty Trail Foundation. And so Rhonda, we are so excited to have you here. Lovely to be here. Thanks. There's so much to start with. And I, I think that painting the geographical picture, I touched on a little bit of it, but I would like you to please dive into like a description of what it is that we're talking about. What is the Munda Bitty Trail and what does that word mean in local language? Okay. Well, the Munda Bitty is uh, short for, is, is the path through the forest in the local Aboriginal language. And it's a currently a 1,067-kilometer-long off-road bikepacking trail. It goes from the hills to the east of Perth and heads south to the town of Albany on the south coast. It mostly goes through forest, beautiful forest, and there also traverses a lot of some farmland, um, coastal dunes as well, so you get a little bit of that beautiful south coast exposure. And the forest of the southwest is absolutely gorgeous. It's it has the third tallest carry tree in the world, the, the third tallest tree in the world, sorry, which is the carry tree. And they're absolutely stunning. They're just found nowhere else. And it's also a biodiversity hotspot. And when I say that, it means that there's something to the effect of say six thousand plants that are found there and nowhere else in the mm. world. And I'm an orchid fan so and there's about 650 native orchids that grow in the southwest region as well so they're always really fun to 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 spot and to to see beautiful so did this trail naturally get developed over time as people were traveling the trail or was it formally created it was formally created it uh, there was a grant, I believe, that started it off, and it connects on old rail trails. There's a lot of old rail trails from, I think, from timber cutting days mm-hmm. that form part of that, and then they connected through the rest of it to make a continuous trail. And the great thing about it is they're always improving it. So there, there was one section that my husband had written the previous year, which was quite a uh, straight down. Uh, 
gravelly, loose section, quite steep. Um, but when we went and rode it, they had done a whole pile of work on it to make it into these beautiful switchbacks. Mm. So the riding was really lovely and smooth and, and a lot easier. So th- these are the sorts of things that the Mundabidi Trail Foundation is responsible for. And so they're a not-for-profit that manage the trail. They have an army of volunteers as well that get out there and, and help to keep the trail clear uh, from growing over with bushes. And and yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing. It's It's just really great thing to do. It sounds absolutely spectacular. The sheer quantity of orchids alone that you're referring to blows my mind. 600 different types of orchids and seeing them grow wild, right? Where where I am located, we don't get to see orchids grow wild. We see them in containers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, there's a big community here of orchid lovers. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So tell me a little bit about... Um, your experience with warm showers does, I mean, are you close to the trail? So do you host warm showers, cyclists that are coming and are they all there for the trail? Or is that just one part of a connection of trails in Australia, specifically in Western Australia? Right. Well, unfortunately, we are not immediately on the trail. So the closest connection point to us is about an hour away, which is a little town of Nanup. But I, I know there are nine warm showers hosts in the regional part of the trail. And I believe there's up to 30 or so in the Perth Hills and in Perth itself. And for, I, I know a little bit about warm showers. I'm certainly learning a lot more about you now, which is wonderful, and it's a wonderful service that you provide. And um, I know we ha- we do ha- have random cyclists come through Dunsborough, but they're not necessarily doing the Mundabidi. They're maybe cycle touring the coast from um, Perth down to, say, Albany. And uh, I, I've just learned about it recently because friends of ours have hosted some warm showers, and those people are super lucky because these friends are chefs, and mm. so they get <laughs> <laughs> beautiful meals served to them. So yeah, definitely, I, I'll, I'll be looking into it more about what can we do to host and some of these wonderful cyclists that travel through in the future. I love Mm -hmm. it. And so knowing that you're Canadian um, and you're now in Australia, tell us a little bit about how that came about. Uh, We, my husband is Australian and he lived in Canada for a number of years. We met in Vancouver and lived there for a number of years. And then we thought, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to move somewhere with a little bit better weather. So mm. we'd up and moved to a small town south of Perth, about three hours south of Perth. And we ended up buying, after about a year of being there, a three-acre property. And it keeps us quite busy. It's a beautiful spot in the bush just outside of town. We have kangaroos wandering through. We have ducks on our dam and frogs on, on our dam in the front garden. Uh, lizards, uh, birds, cockatoos, parrots. Uh, it's quite a yeah wildlife central. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and we just love it. It's peaceful and it's, it's a wonderful place to live. So different from Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know if you know this, but I did spend 14 years in Toronto. So I'm a dual citizen. and I, I, sp- I do spend a lot of time in Canada, a very different part. Toronto is very different, of course, than Calgary. And no, we don't live in igloos. <laughs> no. Even though it's cold, even though it's cold. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go back to the Moonabiti Trail. What can you tell us about like how people could prepare or plan you know, even a, a whole journey or a specific trip and utilize the trail to its fullest. Right, right. Well, for myself, uh, I trained for a couple of months 
beforehand. So, so we plan to ride it in 16 days. And I got myself up to being able to ride comfortably for between five and six hours in a day. And I think that's sort of a good goal if you can get yourself comfortable. And, and the, the, I think the important thing is making sure you can ride your bike for that long. Your bike is set up properly. Uh, you have a comfortable seat and your bike fits you prop well, appropriately. Uh, just doing as much training as, as you can riding your bike and enjoying it, hopefully. Uh, getting to the point where, where you feel like you can ride day after day. Uh, and it, you don't have to ride it end to end in 15 days or five days or six days. You can do parts of it. The beautiful thing about the Mundabiri is that the towns are only... 30 to 50 kilometers apart. So a lot of people will spend a weekend riding from town to town or, you know, jump at a couple of towns. And so they don't even have to pack food because they can just stock, you know, have lunch at this town and then ride on to the next town, stay overnight in comfortable accommodation. So you can do it in a number of ways. Um, you can ride it town to town, get accommodation most nights. There's also 12 huts that provide undercover sleeping platforms, picnic tables, and rainwater tanks. And they're super comfortable. They're great places to stay. So you can kind of mix and match it up as well. And so when we planned our trip, we ended up doing four nights in huts and the rest were accommodation in towns and restocking on food. And so it, it's a beautiful trail that way and that you don't have to be intimidated by it. You don't have to think to yourself, well, I need seven days of food and how am I going to make this all work? Um, you can do it as quickly as you want, as slowly as you want. You can stop and mix and match it. It's wonderful. That's a really big benefit to have the towns close enough um, to each other to be able to like stock up on supplies. And, you know, there are a lot of tours, of course, or, or cyclists that tour in various parts of the world where they go many days <laughs> without um, having access to supplies. And they do require to to load up and have what they need on their person. And uh, this is a very different experience. And we're talking Australia. So <laughs> there's something really special about it. And let's talk a little bit about this um, better weather that you have in Australia. <laughs> so what is the weather like year round? Well, in terms of riding the Mundabiti, the best time is spring, in my opinion, because you have those wildflowers and the water tanks are all full of fresh water and at the at the huts and it's just a beautiful time of year so when I wrote it I wrote it in October and we did get a lot of rain and you can certainly ride this trail in the rain it doesn't turn to mud or anything of that sort you just kind of get quite wet uh, when you ride but it's temperature wise say highs of 20 degrees Celsius in um, winter are common lows of eight in winter. In the summertime, it's not recommended to ride because it's too hot so, and dusty. And, and it, like for, Perth can be 42 degrees in summertime in the Perth Hills. It's, it's just a little bit too hot to ride. Uh, so best times really are, are the uh, September, October, November. And then again, possibly like April, May, June before the winter really hits. And that's, are you reversed? I mean, is, is September and October actually fall that's in spring. Australia? That's spring. Okay, just to clarify, right? In, in North America, you know, we consider um, 
you know, fall is September and October and spring is, you know, the March, April, May. So yes, yeah, you're yeah, reversed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It it took me a while to get sorted. <laughs> you're still kind of in winter. You're getting ready for spring. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Yeah, it's a very strange experience having um, Christmas on the beach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure after coming from Calgary, because <laughs> exactly. that's a that's a cold time it is. <laughs> in December. It is. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for impact, and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009. And see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. And you've been in Australia since 2008? Yes. Yeah. And have you ridden other parts of Australia? I have. I had the opportunity to go ride the Mawson Trail, which is in South Australia. So that runs from Adelaide to north to the Flinders Ranges. And it's a completely different experience to the Mundabidi Trail, different scenery, different um, type of riding. Um, for the Mundabidi, I generally would recommend riding it on a hardtail mountain bike or a mountain bike with the, like the fatter tires because there is a bit of single track and it can be a little bit rough and a little bit sort of mountain bikey, if you will. Whereas the Mawson Trail, I rode it on a gravel bike. So it was much easier terrain to ride and much firmer generally. And, and it was easier to do. So, um, so yes, I, I got to try out my new gravel bike, which was a good experience too. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And so talk to us about the app. How did you develop the app? Like how did that come about? And you created that before you were really partners with the, the foundation itself. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Yeah. When my husband and I first moved back to or moved to Australia, we were in a quite a tourism region and we had a lot of trouble finding good, cohesive inf information on the area. And so we came up with the idea. My husband's a software engineer. And so he developed a, a platform, a software platform, which we can build these apps on and so we we did one for the local um, Margaret River region and we put in it a lot of the the biking trails hiking trails uh, things to see and do all the free content that people travel for to, to see the lighthouses the you know the Bustleton jetty all these sorts of things that put it all in one spot so and it works without using the internet so everything is on your phone the maps work all the time on your phone because we're in a fairly remote area you lose reception a lot and so online maps just won't work for you so Paul designed this whole platform to work without needing a mobile signal or internet signal and from there, we did a, an app for the Cape to Cape track, which is our, a local long distance walking trail that runs coast to coast from Dunsborough down to Augusta, 135 kilometer long trail. So we, we developed that and, and people really liked using it. And uh, then we 
uh, developed the Mundabidi Trail and we've developed one for the Mawson Trail as well. So it's just, it's a wonderful thing to do. It, it makes you also get to know the area you're writing so much better when you're writing about it, when you're writing mm. a guidebook effectively for, for the phone. And you, we get a lot more out of it that way too. It's great. And so how did you eventually meet the foundation and, and come to the place where you're doing a lot of work together now? Yes, we, we just, we contacted the foundation and introduced the app to them and they were very supportive of it and saw the, the benefits of this because I think a lot of people would do more riding if they felt secure that they weren't going to get lost. Mm-hmm. And that's like for myself, um, I wouldn't go out and, and strike out on a trail without something like this because I'm, I'm navigationally challenged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a, it's a wonderful thing to just be able to look at your phone and say, yep, this is where I am. This is where I need to go. I'm on the trail still or I, I get back to the trail this way or... Uh, and I, I, we're hoping that a lot of people will get out there using our app a bit more and feel confident in in doing so, in, in yeah. actually doing the bikepacking and riding something like the Mundabiti. That's a wonderful thing that you did. And how wonderful also to be able to work hand in hand with the foundation, because I believe you're a little more involved with the foundation now as well. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. My my husband is. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, works with them. So, and they're not for profit, and then they have this wonderful army of volunteers that help to maintain the trail, and they are promoting a, a lot of bike packing and trying to get people like doing um, workshops on what do you need to bike pack. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know how to set up their bikes or what type of bike or what kind, what sort of gear can I use to carry my stuff, um, what sort of bags and things like that. So they're working uh, with local people to promote that sort of knowledge, which is great. Yeah, I'm interested. Do they do any like any type of tracking on who accesses the trail, local versus where others are coming from? And, and I only ask because Rails to Trails, um, who we've had on the show before, you know, they they you know, they can track in certain ways based upon what maps or systems people are using or even maybe the app itself that you've created. Is there any tracking methods behind it? Uh, we have limited collection. Like we can look and see how many downloads we we have of the app. And sometimes if users want to give us the information, we can see where they're from if they've chosen in their, in their uh, phone settings to give us that information. Otherwise, we don't collect anything, any other data. But the, there are some, I believe, some um, trackers on the trail itself. So when riders go by, it pings a rider. Mm. The numbers, and there are guest books at every hut as well, which they incur the visitor books. So you can write in your comments and and the the weather and curse the pea gravel and the softness of the sand if that's your (laughs) when you're riding. So make any sort of comments you want. So that's an entertaining read as well. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it's very interesting. Um, And I mentioned to you before we started recording that I know that this beautiful slice of the earth that you live in, that you call home, where the Mundabidi Trail is, is a very interesting place for a lot of people to visit. And so for those, I I mean, I would like you to give a message for those that have not been to Australia before and maybe haven't experienced the beauty and the the nature of of the lands. Um, What message would you have for them to invite them in? 
Oh, geez, it, it is such a beautiful part of the world, particularly Western Australia. People, I think, are very familiar with Sydney, the Harbour Bridge, you know, the Opera House, those sorts of photos or videos that they, they see. But the West has a completely different feel. It's more rugged. It's more um, old, has a very old feel to it, particularly when you go up north. Um, I love the forest because every you, you can go 100 meters and the forest will completely change. The bush will completely change. The vegetation changes because the soil is so poor. You have to be very specialized as a plant or a tree to grow there. Like I said, the carry trees are the only only found in southwest of Western Australia. And so much of that biodiversity is based on, on poor soil conditions and the old land being so eroded. Uh, the beaches, you can walk for miles on the beaches and not see another soul. And there are white sand beaches with the blue water. This, in the summertime, very calm. It's not crowded. The trail's not crowded. You don't need a reservation. You don't need to reserve any of the huts or... Uh, any of that, you may want to reserve accommodation or your warm shower hosts, of course, but um, as you go, but you have, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, you don't see hundreds of people every day on the trail and who you do see, you normally have, you're, you're oh, who, what are you doing? Who are you? And, mm-hmm. and you stop and have a nice little chat <laughs> with them. Um, the people on the trail, all the accommodations and places to stay, it's just a wonderful, they're warm, they're welcoming, they're friendly, helpful. Uh, we had a loose crank set on Paul's mountain bike and we came across a farmer fixing one of his fences and Paul said to him, oh, do you happen to have a large set of Allen keys? And the farmer went, no, I don't, uh, but I, I do up at the shed. So he jumped in his ute, sped off, <laughs> got a set of Allen keys, it came back, had a nice, lovely chat, made anything else you need kind of thing and just lovely, lovely fellow. Like That's the, that's the hospitality you'll find in Western Australia too. I think people are just lovely and always willing to lend a hand or have a chat. That is a really beautiful share. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so for those of you that are listening, we are going to link the foundation and the app in the show notes and any other details that you might be interested in and making your own journey to Western Australia and also checking out the Mundo Bitty Trail. And thank you, Rhonda. We really appreciate you taking time to come in and share your passion for the lands, for the trail. We Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure. All right, folks. So if you love this show, make sure you share it. And if there's somebody who you know has always wanted to visit Australia, send them the link to the show and also give us a rating and review because it always helps us reach more listeners. And that's it for now. We will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.